Hi folks, we want to welcome you to our adult Sunday school time here at the Kermansville Christian Church. And of course we're doing a survey through the Old Testament and we are up to the section of our study that we've entitled The Return to the Land, looking at Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. Last week we did an introductory to these narrative books, these historical books, and today we're going to get right into Ezra. We're going to look at chapter 1, verses 1 through chapter 6, verse 22. And so we're going to talk about the first return, the first return of exiles, and the second temple, the, re the rebuilding of the temple, which would be called Zerubbabel's temple. So let's get right into it. We're actually going to talk about several Persian kings of, their, of the Medo-Persian Empire today, so we've got to delineate who we're talking about here because sometimes they use the same names, and so we're going to be focusing a lot on what's going on in these first six chapters of Ezra as the Jews return to Judah, and so we're going to see that today. All right, so the first thing we're going to notice when we look at chapter 6, we're going to see the proclamation of of Cyrus from Ezra chapter 1 verses 1 to 11. Now Cyrus, if you remember, is Cyrus the Great. He is the uh, great, <clears throat> one of the greatest uh, <clears throat> rulers of the Medo-Persian Empire. He's the one who actually formed the Medo-Persian Empire by defeating the Medes and then ultimately uh, defeating Babylon later on. Well, Cyrus is the one who issued this decree that we talked about when we were at the end of 2 Chronicles and 2 Kings about the return of the exiles back to uh, the land. <clears throat> so what I want you to notice, first of all, is this. So in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord stirred the king in order to fulfill his word. Now, what do you mean his word? So, well, God obviously made a prophecy concerning how long they would be in exile, and so he's stirring the king, the king of Persia, concerning this. So this word was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah with regards to the return of the exiles to the land. So in the prophecy of Jeremiah, so in the book of Jeremiah, there are some specific things being said as far as how long they would be in, the, in exile. We actually mentioned that, of course, when we looked at Daniel, when he was considering the words of Jeremiah and he was asking God when these things would take place and there was a prophecy concerning that. So let's take a look here. We're going to see, first of all, Jeremiah chapter 25, verses 11 through 12. Notice what it says here. And this whole land shall be desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon seven years, 70 years. And it will come to pass that when the 70 years are complete, that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the land of Chaldeans, for their iniquity, says the Lord, and I will make it a perpetual desolation. So here we are in Jeremiah 25, seeing that they're going to be serving the Babylonian kings for 70 years until God finally wipes out the Babylonians. 
Look at Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10. A lot of folks like to quote Jeremiah 29. For thus says the Lord, after the 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good work towards you and cause you to return to this place. So this is the word of the Lord through the prophet Jeremiah about how long they're going to be. So God stirs Cyrus, Cyrus the Great, king of the Medo-Persian Empire, concerning his word. So Cyrus made a proclamation throughout his empire with a command from the God of heaven. This is interesting. Cyrus is not a worshiper of Yahweh. So let's just go ahead and make, be very specific about that. However, he stirred to make a proclamation with regards to the Jews from the God of heaven. So Cyrus states that he was to build God a house in Jerusalem. And the Jews must return to build it. All right? So he's saying, God has told me to build him a house in, in Jerusalem. A house, what is that? A temple. Build him a temple in Jerusalem. And the ones who are to do it are the Jews. So those who are from there need to return. That's what he's saying here. He also proclaimed that those who remain must help those who return with silver, good, gold, and goods. So you're seeing here is that maybe there are some Jews who would say, no, nah, we're going to stay here. We're going to stay in Babylon or we're going to stay in the Medo-Persian Empire. And he's saying, okay, you can, but you need to help those who return back to the land with gold, silver, and the goods that they need to make the journey and also for the rebuilding of the temple. Now, Chapter 1 also gives us the response of the Jews, okay? So the heads of Judah and Benjamin, with the Levites and the priests, were moved by the Lord. So just as God was stirring Cyrus to make this proclamation, what happens now is, is God is also moving the elders of Judah and Benjamin, as well as the Levites and the priests, to do this as well. So they were moved to rise up and rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. So he's stirring them to want to go back and to rebuild the temple. Now, I need to make this point to you so that you understand, because it's even true to this day. Because the second temple, after the renovation of Herod, but during that time of A.D. 70, being destroyed by the Romans, there's not been a temple there since, the temple is central to the Jewish faith. Do you understand? When you talk about Jews, the, the center of their worship is at the temple because that's where God is. His presence is there. That's where he said, I will put my name. So when you talk about Jews, that's why Daniel, when you read about Daniel, he opened his window when he was told not to pray. He opened his window towards Jerusalem and he prayed towards Jerusalem. Why? Because that's where God's name was supposed to be in the temple, even though it was destroyed, and he knew that, that's where God's name was. Now listen, what he's saying here is, is that they want to rise up and rebuild what was central to their faith, the temple. So they were moved to rise up and rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. 
and they were willingly supported by others in exile with gold, silver, and other goods. And those who were going to remain and others, they basically supported them and gave them the money. They gave them the supplies, everything they needed to be able to go and do this. So Cyrus also gave them the articles of the temple that were taken by Nebuchadnezzar. Remember Nebuchadnezzar when he, right at the second, first and second captivity, he took things, he took some articles in the first captivity, he took all the articles in the second captivity. In the third captivity, the third exile, he basically destroyed the temple. Well, he, all these articles were in the temple of Nebuchadnezzar's God. Remember, Belshazzar took those articles out to be used in a brunk, drunken feast, and he ended up dying because of that, because he blasphemed the God of heaven. Well, Cyrus now gives those articles that were taken by Nebuchadnezzar. He gives the articles to the Jews who would return. And so there is an accounting giving concerning the number of articles that were taken with the exile. So the text will tell you exactly what was taken back to Jerusalem, what these articles were. Now, when we come to chapter 2, it's going to give you a list of those who return. So we're going to look here in chapter 2, verses 1 to 70. We're going to see the first group of returnees. Okay, so the first group of returnees. So the writer lists all who returned with Zerubbabel to Jerusalem and Judah from the captivity. So he's listing all those who returned to Jerusalem. Now, when we talk about Zerubbabel, you're like, well, who's Zerubbabel? Well, let me just kind of explain to you. Zerubbabel is the grandson of Jehoiachin. Remember Jehoiachin? He was the king who was taken into captivity and then later lifted up. We saw that at the end of 2 Chronicles. Now, his grandson, who was born in captivity, he was born in Babylon, who is a descendant of David. Do you understand? He is an heir to the throne. He is going back to Jerusalem because he has now been made governor. So, the scripture, as we look at this list, it's going to tell you from which family, what clan, and so forth, the total number of exiles who returned, including Levites and priests, were 42,360 people. So of the Jews who returned from exile with the Levites and the priests, 42,360 people. But they also took with them not just they took their servants with them, their male servants, their female servants. And so the number of servants who returned with the exile was 7,337, as well as horses and camels. You can't make a journey from Babylon up the, crescent, the Fertile Crescent all the way to the north and coming down to Jerusalem. You can't just do that on foot. You're going to need animals as well. So they had horses and camels as well. Now, some of the heads of the houses freely gave gold and silver for the rebuilding of the temple. So the text makes it clear that these elders, who were of these heads of these houses, freely gave of their wealth to what? Rebuild the temple. This is a significant thing that's happening. 
They want to make sure that this happens. And so you see the rebuilding of the temple happening here. All right, so now we're going to see in chapters 3, verse 1, through chapter 6, verse 22, the focus now is going to shift not from the returnees, they're back now in Jerusalem, but it's going to focus now on the rebuilding of the temple and some problems that arose, okay? And you're going to see that it's going to take a period of time for this temple to be rebuilt. All right, so Zerubbabel and the priests built an altar to the Lord in order to offer sacrifices. So first thing they do when they get there is they rebuild the altar. Why do they do that? In order to offer the morning and evening sacrifices, in order to offer the burnt offerings and so forth. So in spite of their fear of the peoples around them, they made daily offerings to the Lord. So it's a pretty fearful thing. Here they are, they're returning back, but now things have changed. This is no longer just Israel's land. This is the Medo-Persian Empire. They're back in Judah, but yet there are these other people who were brought by the Babylonians into exile there. And they're not necessarily wanted there anymore, so they're fearful. But even though they're fearful, they're going to continue to make the daily offerings to the Lord. It says that they kept the Feast of Tabernacles, as was outlined in the law, as well as regulations for the new moons. Very much a part of Jewish worship to do certain things with each new moon, with each new moon representing a new month. Now, they laid the foundation for the temple with materials purchased with offerings. So, they were able to then lay the foundation for the temple. So that's the first thing they're doing. They built an altar, starting the sacrifices. They're doing this in spite of their fear of others. But now, because of the money that they have received, the gold, the silver, and other goods, they're able now to lay a foundation. So they're moving ahead with the rebuilding of the temple. Well, Here's the thing. When they did this, of course, they had a celebration. Of course, they marked it with the sacrifice. There was joy in the laying of the foundation. Some of the Levites, priests, and elders wept aloud because they had seen the first temple. So basically, this was an emotional moment for them. They had seen Solomon's temple. Now, let's be honest. By the point in which it, the destruction came, it probably was in disrepair. And remember, through several different kings, they had renovations to maintain the building. But it was still a grand place to see. Now, they're laying the foundation for a second temple, which would never be to the glory of what the first one was. But these guys... They must have been older, because you're talking 70 years here, so they're 70 plus. They had seen the first temple, and so their emotions overcame them because they remembered the first temple, and of course remembering the destruction of it. They wept aloud. So there was joy, the scripture says, and weeping that was loud at that time. Well, now there's going to be some opposition, and the opposition takes place over a lot of years, but we're going to see the beginnings of it here in 
in the scripture of Ezra as it talks about these. So the enemies of Judah heard that the Jews were rebuilding the temple. So the enemies of Judah were, they hear, okay, they're re rebuilding the temple. So guess what they do? They approached Zerubbabel and asked to build the temple with the Jews. So basically they say, look, we'd like to take part in this. We'd like to be a part of what's going on. Now, why would they want to do that? Well, they stated that they also seek the God of the Jews and sacrifice to him. What do you mean they also seek the God of the Jews? Well, if you go back to 2 Kings chapter 17, verses 24 through 41, you see that the writer of Kings records that when the northern kingdom was taken away by the Assyrians, the Assyrian king brought in exiles to inhabit the land. And because of God's curse upon them, he was punishing them because of what they were doing, they appealed to the, the Assyrian king to please send someone to teach them about this God. And so they sent a Levite from the number who were taken in captivity to come back and teach them about God. And so they worshiped God, but they also worshiped their own gods. Now, historically, the Jews believe that this is the foundation of the Samaritan people that we see in the New Testament and who even now are living in Israel today, the Samaritan people. Now, they had done this since they were brought to the land by Ereshaddon, the king of Assyria. So I've already mentioned that to you. Okay? Now, here's what happens. Zerubbabel and the elders refused to allow them to join in the rebuilding of the temple. Now, that seems odd to us today because we would say, well, of course, let everybody, you know, we're, it's the one true God. You don't understand. That is not how the Jews were. With regards to the worship of Yahweh, they were the ones who were the chosen people. This was their temple that God had given them, not to the alien. Those folks would be considered aliens in the land, but to them, the 12 tribes. And so they refused to allow them to join in the rebuilding of the temple. Well, that doesn't stop the problem. That only is the first thing that happens in a series of things that take place. So the enemies tried to discourage the Jews and troubled them in their building efforts. You could fill in the blanks there. They're trying to discourage them. They're also trying to hinder the work on rebuilding the temple. The enemies hired counselors to frustrate the effort during Cyrus's reign unto the reign of Darius the Great. So with the series of kings that would take place after this, they're trying to frustrate the efforts by continually having counselors go before them to, to basically halt the construction of the temple. Now, the enemies wrote to King Ashuerus with an accusation against Judah and Jerusalem. So in verse 6 of chapter 4, you're going to see now that they make an accusation to King Ashuerus. Now, this actually is the son of Cyrus, who is Cambius II. Cambius II. He's also known as 
I think the NIV records his name as Xerxes. So this is the king that is spoken of here. Now when you come to chapter 7, you now see that there's another king in ruling now. That's Artaxerxes. So the enemies wrote Artaxerxes with accusations against Judah and Jerusalem. Now let me explain something to you about Artaxerxes. Artaxerxes is a title. It's a Persian title for the king. So his name is Artaxerxes, but it's kind of like saying Necho. Remember Pharaoh Necho is Pharaoh. Or Julius Caesar is Caesar. Or Augustus is Caesar. Or Nero is Caesar. So Artaxerxes is like Pharaoh or Caesar. So it's a title called Lord. So in this instance, after Cambius II committed suicide, now what do you mean he committed suicide, George? Well, history shows us that when he was in a campaign against the Egyptians, he lost, well, on his way home, back to the Medo-Persian Empire, he committed suicide. What happens then is that a group of magi, a radical group of magi, now do you remember who the magi are? Remember, you should remember them from the birth of Jesus. They're the ones, we call them the wise men, who showed up looking for the star, for the child that the star proclaimed. Well, a group, they're from Persia, all right? So a group of radical magi made a pretender, a pseudo, that is a pseudo Smyrtus. There's a guy who showed up who said he was the son of Cyrus. His name was Smyrtus. He's known as pseudo Smyrtus. Well, anyhow, he assumes the throne and he didn't like the policy of Cambius II or of Cyrus and tried to reverse that because he's being supported by this radical group of magi but he only rules for seven months seven months he only rules until he is killed now we'll talk about him being killed here in a moment but while he's in power for seven months these enemies wrote him they, this is the Artaxerxes that they're talking about they wrote Artaxerxes with accusations against Judah and Jerusalem. They stated that the Jews were rebuilding the walls and would rebel against the king. So they're saying, hey, just so you're aware, these rebellious people are down here. They're rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. They're rebuilding everything, and they're going to rebel against you. They requested that a search be made in the records that proof of in the, in the records that proved that the Jews, that were proof of the Jews' past rebellion. So they're saying, just search the records, you're going to see that this is a rebellious people. So the Persian king found proof of the rebellions in the records and stopped the rebuilding efforts. So when he looks at the records, he said, yeah, they rebelled. They rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar. They rebelled against others. They even were a kingdom of great kings at one time who had a great empire, which would obviously be under David and some of his sons later. Now, having seen this, it stops. The building, the rebuilding of the temple stops under this pseudo Smyrtus, who is called Artaxerxes. Well, this pseudo Smyrtus ends up getting killed. Remember, I told you he only reigned for seven months. He ends up getting killed by a, another fellow by the name of Darius, who is not a descendant of, who is not a descendant, close descendant of Cyrus, 
but he is from Cyrus's family, meaning he's from this, it's like a, maybe a cousin or somebody like that. And he and some other princes rise up and they kill this pseudo Smyrtus. And Darius now assumes the throne and he becomes Darius the Great, the greatest ruler of the Medo-Persian Empire. So when, getting back to Artaxerxes, when the king's letter arrived, the enemies stopped the rebuilding with force of arms. So basically, the, they just took it as their attempt now. They can show up with troops and stop the rebuilding efforts. Now, the rebuilding effort was stopped until the second year of Darius, king of Persia. So basically, it stopped until the second year. So it's basically stopped for about two years now. Now, so that brings us to the issue under Darius's reign. So when we come to chapter 5, verse 1, through chapter 6, verse 12, we're going to see that the effort begins again. So because of the prophecies of Haggai and Zechariah, so these are two prophets that we know of from our Old Testament because they have their own books, Zerubbabel started building again. So Zerubbabel starts the building process again on the second temple because of what these two prophets had said. The enemies came and demanded to know who told them to rebuild. So the enemies show up, who's telling you to do this? Now, it's interesting, despite this, the rebuilding continued because the eye of God was upon them. God favored them. God was wanting his house built. So he showed favor to the Jews to continue the rebuilding process. So the enemy sent a letter to Darius requesting a search be made for Cyrus's degree. Now here at their last straw now trying to figure out how to stop this. So they said, oh, let's go back to Cyrus's degree and see what it says. So they request that Cyrus, that Darius would search for Cyrus's degree. They think it's maybe a good way to stop everything, but you're going to see it's actually the one thing that causes the Jews now to be able to finish the project. So Darius made a decree that the search be made in the archives for Cyrus's decree. And guess what? They find it. So the decree was found, and Darius commanded that the Jews continue rebuilding. So they find a decree where... Basically, Cyrus says he's told by God to build him his house, and these folks are supposed to go back and rebuild it, and everybody's supposed to support it. And, and so guess what? Darius says, okay, that's what Cyrus says. We're going to do that. You guys continue rebuilding. But he doesn't just do that alone. Here's what he does. Darius also commanded that the Jews be given whatever they needed for the rebellion. So the letter's going back to the enemy saying, hey, they're supposed to rebuild this. In fact, I want you, I'm commanding you, to give them everything they need for the rebuilding process. Talk about backfiring in your scheme to get it to stop. So the enemies did as Darius had commanded, and the Jews finished the temple. Isn't that awesome? The second temple, it's finished. Now the walls are still not rebuilt, just so you understand that. 
That's going to come later when we get into Nehemiah. But we're in Ezra right now. So did you understand the timeline? So the temple was completed in the sixth year of Darius, and the Jews celebrated with joy. Why? Because this is the center of their worship. They are excited at the completion of this project. So they made sacrifices according to the number of tribes, which would be the 12 tribes of Israel, and assigned Levites for service. What do you mean? When you remember when we went through 1st and 2nd Kings, we saw that in the temple there were certain Levitical orders that were assigned certain jobs. There were singers, there were others, they were assigned certain jobs for the daily routine, the daily sacrifices that would be taken in assisting the priests. So this is what's happening. They're assigning the Levites to do their duties. They kept the Passover, purified themselves, and kept the Feast of Unleavened Breads. Remember, the Feast of Unleavened Breads are the seven days after the Passover. So they kept the Passover, they purified themselves before the Lord, and they kept the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now here's what it says. The Lord made Israel joyful and turned the heart of Darius, king of Assyria, towards them. He said, well, wait a minute now. Hold on, George. I thought Darius was the king of the Medo-Persian Empire. Why does it say Darius, the king of Assyria? Well, that's one of his titles. The title king of Assyria was one of the titles that the Persian kings assumed. What do you mean by that? Well, think about it for a moment. The Medo-Persian Empire defeated who? The Babylonian Empire. The Babylonian Empire defeated who? The Assyrian Empire. So there are those titles. So when you say, here's Darius, king of the Medo-Persian Empire, he's also called the king of Babylon. That was one of his titles. And because it's also covering the area defeated by the Babylons, who were defeated by the Medo-Persians, he is also called the king of Assyria. So it's, that's not an error there, but that's just one of his titles that you see there. Well, next week we're going to get into chapter 7 as we continue on in Ezra, and we're going to see now Ezra's ministry start to begin. And we're going to see the record of that. So we've seen the first return. We've seen the second temple. Next week, we're going to see a second group of returnees of exiles who come back and the ministry of Ezra to them as well.